Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from Matthew, the second chapter. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of King Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born King of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Dear friends of Christ, the word epiphany, as we begin this season of epiphany uh, next week, um, this word epiphany has several different meanings. Number one, it could mean the appearance of a supernatural being. Number two, it could mean a holy day in which a supernatural being is revealed. Or number three, it can be a sudden understanding of something, like a light bulb going off in your head. You know, that aha moment where things make sense. And in our text today, we see that aha moment as the wise men show up and Mary and Joseph, aha, what are you doing here? What's going on? And I hope that a light bulb goes off in your head this morning. Now I want to see, as I look out upon the congregation, little bulbs shining brightly today, all right? As we talk about our theme, a light bulb moment. We just celebrated Christmas, and hope you had a blessed Christmas and a, and a happy new year, but here we are two weeks later. Two weeks later, in the church year at least, Jesus is now two years old, at least two years old, between two and three. So he's grown up. He's, he's, he's a toddler now. And life for baby Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were pretty normal. I mean, not much is going on. Just like a normal old, after the shepherds had visited, and after last week we heard the prophet and prophetess Simeon and Anna had made a great deal of Jesus in the temple. Not much. Just silence, nothing. No stories about how Jesus was lifting furniture like the Hulk. There were no stories about superhero stories about Jesus flying around like Superman. Nothing. Just a kid. Just a human being, just like you and me. Nothing to make a light bulb go off in our head and say, huh, there's something different here. There's something unusual in this boy Jesus. Nothing. In fact, you'd think things were growing dimmer. Getting back to the normal humdrum of things. I, and I bet the shepherds, I bet the shepherds kept watch on baby Jesus. He grew up in Bethlehem. They were shepherds still on the fields of Bethlehem. I bet they watched this boy grow. I mean, after all, such a big deal had been made of his birth with the angels and the proclamation and all of that. Let's, let's watch this baby Jesus grow and wasn't much there. Just a boy. Do you think the shepherds were disappointed? After all that? It's the way it is with us at Christmas. Things grow dim. And with all the Christmas decorations, we put away Jesus too. Some put, away, some put him away for the whole year. But Jesus won't be so easily dismissed. And he shines. But we can miss all that. 
After all, you don't notice light until it's dark. So here in the first week of January, God comes to screw the light bulb in, turn the light on, The light bulb, I think, went off first, perhaps for Mary and Joseph, when the wise men showed up. So these three men from the east, we, these wise men, came from Arabia or Babylon, that whole area, past the desert to the east of where the Holy Land is at. And these wise men were actually brilliant men, well-studied, well-learned scholars. We call them wise men. And they were intelligent. They were three kings, as the hymn suggests. But they studied nature, and they studied the stars, and they studied mathematics and medicine. They were smart guys. But more importantly, they were Gentiles. Gentiles who, when the people of Israel had been deported into Babylon had told some people about the coming Messiah. And these were the Gentiles. These were the people who lived in that area. And they remembered Daniel's prophecy. And they were looking for the star that would point to this special king. And then God talks to these Gentiles. What are the Gentiles doing in the Christmas story? The Gentiles don't belong here. Jesus is for the Jews. God always spoke to God's people, Israel. He didn't speak to the Gentiles. What are the Gentiles doing in the Christmas story? Well, Jesus is changing things. And the angels reached out to those lowly shepherds in the field of Bethlehem, the lowest of society, invited them next to the bedside of the manger. I want you guys, you poor people, to come with Jesus. And now he's contacting these Gentiles. The Gentiles were never welcomed in the temple. They were never welcomed in the presence of God, and they were never talked to. And now here God is inviting them to come visit the Christ child. What's going on? And then these Gentiles come and they follow a Christmas star that the Lord had placed in the heavens. The light bulb going on yet? That aha moment? Do you think Mary and Joseph were aware of that Christmas star? Bible doesn't say. But it shined. I mean, we just had a special uh, display in the heavens. It was uh, Jupiter and Saturn lining up. They called it the Christmas star. Great name. It it actually wasn't the Christmas star. But how many of you saw it? Go out. Yeah, see? You have an anomaly shining in the darkness. People pay attention. And I bet Mary saw that too. But what was that star? Now, if you do a Google search of Bethlehem star, I encourage you to do that you'll find a video on YouTube that tells us what the star is. Now, I'm not going to get into all that, but I'd like to ask the question, what does a star mean? What did that star mean? A bright 
light surrounded by darkness. I love the imagery there. A bright light surrounded by darkness. And what is Jesus in the world? Well, the star pointed the wise men to Jesus. And they told, the wise men told Herod, we have seen his star. What? We have seen his star. Whose star? We've seen his star. I don't have a star. There's no star pointing at me. Now, if you're wealthy enough, you know, you can have a, a star actually named after you. That's a big deal. But it's even a bigger deal. It's a greater deal when the king of the universe, the Father, God the Father, points a star from his universe at you. Aha! Jesus is a much bigger deal than we might have suspected. Two years ago, when the shepherds showed up, they told Mary and Joseph all that the angels had told them, and they left glorifying and praising God. That was a big deal. And now the shepherd, now, now the wise men show up from the east. That's a bigger deal, following a Christmas star. And a bigger deal still yet, they placed, they placed treasures at the feet of this baby, of this child. Treasures. Wealth. Riches. Gold frankincense, and myrrh. Hmm. Is the light bulb brightening yet? Well, I hope it's at least turned on. Jesus is far bigger deal than you might think. He's bigger than anything we do here at First English Lutheran Church. He's bigger than any member of your family. In fact, he's bigger than all the family members all rolled into one. He's bigger than all the stars of the universe. He's bigger than all the Christmas pageantry and all the Christmas decorations and all the Christmas food and all the Christmas celebration. They all pale in significance. Jesus is God. He's the one who bore the, that gigantic weight of human sin. He's the one that has the power to conquer sin. He's the one who has the power to conquer death. He is the one who came to destroy Satan. He's God with the power to alleviate your fears, with the power to shine in your darkness. And He's powerful to save your body and your soul from hell for all eternity. And the wise men come to Him bringing him gold. Did you know 
People just didn't show up at doorsteps and say, can you have some gold today? That wasn't a, a normal tradition. It was, however, a tradition for people to give gold to their king. You would show up to the king and you'd say, here, O king, is some gold. Well, they also gave him frankincense and myrrh and laid it at the foot of Jesus. You know what that means? Frankincense, well, actually myrrh, was used in the ingredients to make the holy oil that anointed the holy things in the temple. We find it in Exodus chapter 30. It talks about it. Have a perfumer make these ingredients myrrh into a holy oil, a fragrant mixture used only for holy anointing. This mixture will be holy oil used for anointing. This oil mixture will be the most holy. And anything that touches this mixture will become holy. Say to the Israelites for generations to come, this will become my holy oil used for anointing. And it must never be poured on the bodies of other people. Never make any perfumed oil using this formula. It's holy. And it must be treated as holy. your light bulb flickering growing brighter and then God said I want you to make some incense and of that incense it is to be made of frankincense and it's to be used in the temple too the incense in the temple when God told Moses make an incense blended by a perfumer this incense shall be most holy for you. And the incense that you make shall be according to its composition, and you shall not make it for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's given to a king, and it's given to God. And what's delivered at the doorstep of Jesus? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And those gifts caught the attention of Mary and Joseph. A light bulb, aha, moment went off. As they began to understand all this, and the gifts of the wise men turned up the light. But there was a black light in one of those ingredients. Myrrh. Myrrh is an ointment that also was used all by itself to, after a body died to anoint that body with myrrh. 
an ingredient for a dead body. Laid at the feet of Jesus. Who would one day give his life and they would take his body down from the cross and before they put him in a tomb, anoint his body with myrrh. A light bulb going off yet? Why did they anoint his body with myrrh? Because he died. Because Jesus is God Himself and myrrh is used for God to anoint the body of the Lord. And as God, Jesus suffered and died. As God, He paid our debt. As God, He's powerful to save. He covered our sin. And in Jesus' blood, it's eternally rich. It's it's eternally powerful. And it has eternal value, that blood. In Isaiah, we're told that by his stripes, by his wounds, by his cuts, by his bleeding, we're healed. They heal us. But the wounds of Jesus killed him. The wounds killed Jesus. And that's why he needed myrrh. His body died. And the light bulb of epiphany shines brighter. We worship Jesus as God. We worship Him. We worship His, His pre- He's precious. He's merciful. He's kind. He's loving. He's gracious. We know He's hated by the world. We know the world hates our Jesus. And because we know our light bulb shines with the brightness of Christ, and we understand the miracle of His presence among us, that incarnational presence of Christ in us. And we see the miracle of our God and King wrapped in the waters of holy baptism. We see the miracle of our God and King wrapped in in flesh, in the bread that we eat, in the wine that we drink, in the Lord's Supper. And And as the wise men came to Jesus, so now your Jesus comes to you. He comes with power to forgive. He comes with with power to comfort you in all your distress. He comes as a light in your dark place. He comes to strengthen you when you're weak. He comes to give you life in the midst of death. And you think he's finished with you? (laughs) Not a chance. He shines on you so that you can shine on others. He shines on you so you can be a light to the world. That's why we celebrate Epiphany. It's God's word to the world. And some will receive it like King Herod. They'll reject Jesus because they hate Him. Others will listen. Still others will listen and learn. And for them a light bulb will shine. And they'll say, aha! Epiphany! And their souls will be saved. Amen. And now may... The the word of Christ dwell in your hearts.
unto life everlasting. Amen.